Hello, hello. Good evening. How are you, Matt? Hey, Johnny. I am good, thanks. Back after an extended break. <laughs> we were away for the last two and a half weeks, which uh, was nice. Got to take time off of work and business and all that good stuff and spend some time in nature with very little cell phone signal and reception. So it was nice, but we arrived back on Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday, Monday, it was straight into work and it's been a week from hell. So feeling a little bit tender and tired, but other than that, I had a good break. Excellent. So this episode is already 64. Mm -hmm. In between, we have three other episodes. Some of them have already been published. One is still in the queue. So I'm looking forward to releasing that at some point. Now that you're back and we're recording, uh, we'll go back to our regular schedule. Yeah. How was your last three weeks? I had a ton of events. So as I said, we have three previous episodes recorded. One of them is actually our first ever cross-post. So it's um, with makers.dev. I was the guest on their podcast. My first time being on YouTube because they not only do a audio recording, they also do a video recording. So, so people actually get to see your face this time around. Yeah, exactly. And that episode, it's um, it's probably the most vulnerable I've been in the public. And oh, spicy! I haven't. I still haven't checked out the entire audio recording. So I got the audio from them, and they do their own editing. We did our own editing, and so it might be there's some stuff that. You would hear on our podcast some some stuff that would end up on their podcast. Yeah, so that was an interesting experience. I'm happy that we continue. The release train just continue on while you're away. We're still producing good content. And then I had another interview episode, which was very interesting with Sahel. With the most recent episode, he sold an app. And then right now, he actually bought an app from one of our earlier interviewee who was a seller so chris <laughs> which happens to be the host of makers.dev so the whole thing is sort of like inter <laughs> somehow interwoven when i scheduled the interview it wasn't meant to be like that it wasn't meant to be one after the other where they're connected but somehow i just saw sahel's uh, profile on twitter and then as i dig deeper i discovered that oh he's actually the buyer of or oh, the new owner of uh, an app that chris sold so it's an interesting small world. Yeah, absolutely. Those sound like three very interesting episodes. So I'm definitely looking forward to listening to them. You did mention the third one, right? The one that's still coming. No, that's unannounced. So we'll we'll uh, probably... Okay, it's unannounced at this point. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can tease it. It's an interview episode and uh, it will get released at some point. Um, soon. Oh, I get it. I thought I oh right. I thought that one was the latest one to have been released, but it's just one that we're keeping in the bank. Is that what you're saying? Like the latest recording that you did is that going to yep. be the one that comes out prior to this episode? I haven't decided that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe this recording is going to come out first. I, I don't know. So basically, after this recording, we'll have uh, two in the bank, and uh, well, we can okay. figure out which one to release sense. first. Yeah. With me being the guest, the goal for, on Makers.dev was to, I mean, as you, you would know, there's been a bit of a struggle with wearing different hats as the owner of SurveyBot with marketing, with tech. So part of the exercise being a guest was to 
go onto the show and ask them a bunch of questions. It's sort of like an open mastermind, showing them, you know, where SurveyBot is at, what their thoughts are, mm-hmm. how I could improve it, how I can grow it. What came out of that, if people listen to that episode, was several book suggestions. So one of the book suggestions was The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. After I recorded, I recorded that episode, I finished reading the entire book in one sitting. Well, technically it's not really reading because it was an audio version and I put yeah. it on, you know, one point because I read the book before I put it on 1.5 and I was just at, in the gym and it just completed the whole thing in the gym while I was working out. Quite a short, but very effective and well-written book. I've gone through it a couple times and every time I go through it, I get something else and it feels like I'm at the point where I need to go through it again <laughs> because I'm feeling like in that space, the resistance is strong. I think I need to go through it again as well. Yeah. So the resistance is this core concept, right? In this book. The reason why this book was suggested was because I was telling Chris and Christian on Makers.dev that there's this sort of analysis paralysis while I'm looking at the tech. You know, there could be a support request that comes in that completely throws me off. And I'm kind of in this cycle where it seems like there's a lot of busy work. There's a lot of like moving things around, but nothing is substantial that is getting done that is getting improved part of the concept in war of art i'm going to remind you now since you've read the book is the concept of turning pro is Mm -hmm. taming that resistance that voice in your head that's telling you that you're not good enough look at um, other people you ought to distract yourself with whatever social media gaming distracted with other things right it's sort of trying to prevent you from doing the work that needs to be done where you just need to start putting in the work becoming a pro and ignoring that resistance on oh, the book the example is a writer right there's writer's block is manifests in a form of the resistance all the time for writers but i guess it's the same for us right if we're looking for ways to i don't know like release that blog post we can always go to our blogging software and try to do tweaks here in their configurations color schemes and mm-hmm. <laughs> or the graphics so i try to find the best graphic that matches the blog or with software writing it could be refactoring or it could be you know uh, researching in the latest tools or software frameworks to use instead of actually doing the stuff that the customer cares about so after reading that book in one setting i'm like okay i'm ready I'm, i want to turn pro which is another term that has been used by Steven Pressfield that kind of hard hat mentality where every single day you just ignore the resistance. You just let the work speaks for itself. You just continue to work, right? And not think about Mm. the results. Try to put yourself in the state of flow as much as possible. And initially it might be hard, but you just ignore everything else. You just continue to do it. If it's hard, you continue to do it. So I was doing that and I was looking at different things I need to do on marketing that was long overdue. My workout was getting sort of becoming a a habit that I don't really have to think about. The diet, so I started this 28-day diet. It was right in the middle of it, it, more like towards the end. So I was probably like 70% done with the diet where I just follow this plan religiously, go to the supermarket, make my chicken breast, make my broccoli, put it into boxes. And then when I'm eating a meal, I'm not thinking about what to eat, why I'm, you know, matching this with that protein, right? I don't care, right? I'm just executing. I'm just performing at that point. I'm just opening the box, microwaving it, and then 
just eating it. Are you seeing results so far? Not just like kind of feelings, but actual like, I don't know if you've been tracking any of your measurements or things like that. Have you been seeing like the scales being tipped? Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So my body weight was going down. I hit my target weight. I'm still like a pretty skinny guy, whether, you know, but I think COVID probably put seven or eight pounds on me. On you, not off you. On me, yeah. During COVID. So this is like a few years and three month period, right? Mm -hmm. And the gym. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When the gym started opening, I think I talked about this as well on the podcast, which was I started going back to the gym in, in April and I started working out regularly. It was hard at the beginning, but it was getting, starting to get the hang of it. But, and it really didn't matter, right? Even if I work for three, four months, I'm not trying to aim for like a certain weight or, but it was just mm-hmm. good, something good to look forward to, right? Just that you're, since you're, I'm going to the gym all the time, right? I'm scheduling all this time. I'm blocking all this time. So might as well try to, I don't know, gamify the, the thing, right? Just, just to see what yeah. happens. So I added on the diet probably two months afterwards and right in the middle of the diet, in the workout, you know, after reading the book, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm turning a pro. I'm getting my body ready, getting my mind ready. And then COVID hit me. <laughs> so <laughs> when you said just now, COVID put seven or eight pounds on me. I thought you meant getting COVID, not the whole oh, no, no, no. lockdown period of COVID being no. a, a pandemic. No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so the pandemic lockdown, the whole thing, gym gets shut down. I don't go out as much. I right? just, you know, it's just, it's just not convenient. The lifestyle change, right, within the past two years, put seven or eight pounds on my body. And mm-hmm. I'm definitely not as fit right after two years of not going to the gym. That's the thing. And then after two plus years of avoiding COVID, finally, yeah, I got COVID right towards the very end of this 28 day lean and cut diet. I uh, wasn't able to work out. I actually wasn't able to work because I tried to sit in front of a computer. Definitely, I do not wish this on anybody. I have pretty mild symptoms, but still, right? It knocked at least like six, seven days of productivity, had a mm. sore throat, runny nose, just a little bit of a fever, just, just a tiny bit, and body aches, not fun. Definitely don't wish it on anybody. So, mm-hmm. And the wave is uh, coming strong this time. So, yeah. So today I'm finally, you might be able to hear it in the unreleased episode. You might actually hear my voice being very nasally. Oh, oh yeah. So you recorded with COVID. Well, it was delayed. So that's the reason why there's a week being skipped where there's no podcast being released because I had to reschedule it because I was telling this uh, interviewee that I got COVID and I don't think I can sit through an hour and not and actually have my brain function and ask questions. So yeah, yeah, that's why it got pushed. Cool. I mean like not cool because you got COVID, (laughs) (laughs) but cool because you still got the episode recorded and you managed to be pretty productive given that you that you even had COVID during that period anything else cool happen yeah so i uh out of the anger of being stuck at home and i bought a new macbook pro (laughs) (laughs) so tell us the specs yeah so i I bought a geeks yeah so, so i was like super excited about this macbook because I love my previous MacBook because it was the MacBook Air and it was an M1, super light. It was really great form factor. The only issue is that it had a uh, 16 gigs of RAM. That's the maximum. I maxed it out. I thought that was going to be enough. 
But of course, ServerBot is running on Docker infrastructure. And whenever I turn on Docker, it just eats up all the RAM. And I'm seeing all this like spinning beach ball all the time. And if it wasn't for that, I think the M1 MacBook Pro is highly recommended. Even with the new M2 that came out, I would still go for the M1 because I think I've looked at reviews, it gets pretty hot. So after the M2 sort of uh, analysis came out, I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm going to get a net, the M2. That's not going to do it. 24 gigs of RAM, yeah. So I maxed out the RAM on this thing, 64 gigs. I uh, 64. You got more. Well, yeah. I've only got 32 on mine. Yeah. 64 gigs of RAM or 14 inch because a 16 inch is way too heavy. Yeah. So now I'm working with the, uh, a new laptop. I don't think that any Mac machine could get hotter than the heat that my Mac machine produces. It's the 16 inch MacBook Pro from 2019. Yeah. The Intel and, one, right? Yeah. I had that yeah. one too before. Oh, so. it is ridiculous. Like in the winter, I can literally use it as a heater. It gets so hot. In the summer, I've never been able to sit with this MacBook on my lap because it just gets too hot. Don't understand how they could design a laptop that produces so much heat and get away with it. I remember from time to time when we're recording, you would have to restart, right? Because we could literally pick up the fan fan. from from the mic. Yeah. I I don't understand it. Like, I don't know if it's just that I got it dead or if that everybody's is the same like this. No, no, no. I had that one too. And that kind of what's forced me to move to the M1 after the rave um, reviews and everything. So, so now it's pretty crazy. Right now I'm switching laptops more frequently than I switch phones. It's like every, I looked at my upgrade cycles, like now every, I don't know, like 14 months, 16 months, and I upgraded a laptop. It's, Do you trade in your old one or like how does that work? Yeah, I sold the old one. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, the good thing is they're pretty good at uh, retaining value. And especially during this time, because we're developers, right? So we're not getting the stock version of the laptop, right? Not the eight gig, the basic version. We're getting whatever, one terabyte, you know, maxed out RAM. So now if you're professional because of the supply chain issue, if you want go to Apple and you want to buy a new laptop, it'll take sometimes up to you know six weeks to deliver it to you. Wow. And yeah, and if you're a company, you have a new employee, you just need that laptop, right, for them to get started mm-hmm. for work. You can't wait that long. That's why I think there's a pretty good market for secondhand MacBooks. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to upgrade and I, I need to at some point, but I'll probably give it another year before I bite the bullet. Wait for the uh, <laughs> the next iteration, the M3 or whatever it is. Yeah, the M64 or something like that. <laughs> Does the M3 come with a BMW? <laughs> <laughs> so now that I'm back to work for, what, a couple of days, there's one thing I want to, I'm trying to execute on, and I think I want to share with you, and perhaps we could discuss about this. So there's this video on the MicroConf YouTube channel. It's an older video. It was the 2018 conference. It was a talk about use the killer combo of free content with paid promotion okay. by Jordan Gall. Yeah. And I think this is a strategy that I want to try out. It's somewhat interesting because we've talked about this. We talked about SEO as sort of the long-term investment because if you write some content, Google might not even pick it up and give it, you know, some Google love for six months, nine months, right? Right. 
in this video, they talked about a framework of using content, but not waiting for the six to nine months for Google to pick it up. So content is a longer time frame, whereas paid ads, uh, in this case, Facebook ads, is immediate, right? You'll get people mm. going to your site. So that's the super short-term channel. The thing is, once you stop paying, then you will lose all the all that traffic, right? It's sort of like a faucet that once you turn on, yeah, it turns on immediately. So when Jordan Gall talks about combining the two, he's trying to stretch this out, where instead of pointing the paid ads towards your website to try to convert people to sign up, instead he has a framework where the paid ads actually go to the content and then the content is a funnel. So what he did was he had five blog posts and each blog post has its own purpose. So to give you a little bit of context, Jordan Gall, well, during this time in 2018, he was running a company called Cardhook. It's a Shopify add-on that helps merchants do post sales, upsell. So when you have a Shopify store, if you install Cardhook, it gives you that extra functionality that when people are checking out, you can display, you know, upsell items so that they can one click and add it to their cart. So that's the idea. So the framework is broken down like this. Initially, you want to have a attention grabber. He has a blog post on his website. The title is The Future of E-Commerce, What We Learned in 2017 by Processing $100 Million. So that $100 million is that kind of attention grab. It's supposed to capture attention. This post gets shared on Facebook. That Facebook post get boosted with Facebook ads. And I think in total, he spent $4,000 on the, all the ads, not just this one single post, right? So that's so he did it for seven days. That boost is supposed to drive traffic to the content. The content is has a Facebook a pixel that retargets and creates a um, custom audience, right? And then that's post number one, the attention grabber. Post two is where he talks about the market trend. So you can see his whole design of the funnel is he's trying to deliver some value. And then at the end, he would share the solution and share some value, which is get the uh, readers to sign up right to his uh, software. So post two is market trend, e-commerce sales funnel. A new trend for big growth is to kind of give the audience uh, the market trend. Not talking about his solution yet, right? Same thing, seven days of uh, Facebook ads. And then the third post is to build credibility. The title of that one is, is your Shopify store ready to succeed in 2018? I think he's trying to also describe the problem in the post, which is what's the trend, which at that time, I think in 2018 was sales funnels. So when you're building an online store, how do you think about that funnel? How do you maximize that um, shopping cart? So the first three posts are supposed to be just building credibility, giving value, giving the market trend. The fourth one is when he first introduces uh, his solution, which is supposed to be product focused. How and why to optimize your e-commerce checkout experience. That's the title, right? And I think that's the very first time that he presents a solution. And then same thing, Facebook ads, seven days. And then post five is when he has that killer feature, which is the killer feature post, which is post-purchase upsell using Cardhook, right? That's kind of when he really hits you with, this is how we make it easy. This is the killer feature for Cardhook, right? 
So that is supposed to drive like a ton of traffic and also being able to retarget. And then at the end, he would package everything up from post two to five and combine it into an ebook. So he would add a little bit of intro and conclusion, the intro at the beginning, conclusion at the end, and in between it would be the post two to five where it's an ebook and that's the email capture, right? So the whole thing is supposed to work together. And this spans, I think, around six weeks where he spent 4K in, in ads. And it turned into 348K in annual recurring revenue. That's the n- amount of signups that he got. And then later on, it converted. I think, so, I think he got, got more signups initially, but then mm-hmm. it converted into 348,000 annual recurring revenue. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's interesting to me that A, like, was he capturing emails at each step? Because to retarget somebody with six different sequences six different pieces of content seems like like there's going to be some fatigue and drop off after they've seen like one or two and how he was able to effectively like avoid that and then also how he was able to like find the people in the first place so he was obviously looking for people with e-commerce stores like using my previous business as an example wp discussion board like how do i target people who are on Facebook, who A, have a WordPress website, but then B, want a discussion board to exist on that website. Like, how do you target that? It's like, I think you have to have the right kind of business to be able to, like, have an effective strategy like this. You know, there's a lot of e-commerce store owners, but even then, I would say, like, it's impressive what he was able to do to be able to make this work. And also remember the time, you know, it's during... 2018, I think there's a ton of e-commerce <laughs> groups and stuff like that, right? In a sense, he picked the right channel. I don't think it has to be Facebook, but to me, this is just a, almost like a case study on, you know, if your audience is on Twitter, you can probably do something similar where you have, you know, an ebook at the end and you have multiple posts that is bringing people further and further along, bringing up the problem, bringing up the market trend, show credibility, show show you know what you're talking about, and then at the end, give value and share with them, oh, the problem that you're facing, we have this type of solution. And if you choose us, this is how you would go about doing it, right? This is how it would solve your problem. And I think because of that, in a sense, that is a really high valued audience for this particular solution and it worked for him. And it also, it's sort of scalable. So, So this is just the initial bit so at the end, he's supposed to have an email capture, right? He would have an email list. And I think he used that as well as another Facebook ad to do a webinar, to target, use the same retargeting to do a webinar. And in a webinar, he was able to pick a, a success story from one of his customers and they did a partnership and that person got some sort of referral revenue being shared. And I think that's super effective because I think Especially for e-commerce people, you know, a lot of people want to go to the next level and they look up to, you know, people who have a bigger presence or bigger shop, right? So I think it's, um, it's great. It worked at that time. But I think even in 2022, there is a ton that I can learn from at least attempting something like this, right? Like thinking a little bit more long-term, not just one single piece of content at a time, but thinking of it from a point of view of having a series leading people along the way. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I don't have to 
hit people with the first where the first article is already how do you use Facebook Messenger to do surveys, right? It could be, I don't know, something market related, something at a higher level. I love this kind of stuff. So I'm definitely going to check out this talk on YouTube. Yeah, so I find this to be super interesting and it's um, something I'm going to execute on. This is from Chris' uh, suggestion. But yesterday when I got on a call with Chris, uh, he gave me the suggestion to look into my pricing, which I'm supposed to do before I got COVID. So my commitment is actually not what I just talked about. I mean, that is the second item, Mm -hmm. but my top priority is to switch to pricing model because when I showed Chris the survey bot, looking at the customer data, we decided that, hey, that's the top number one item. So that's what I'm committed to, changing the pricing. And I just uh, reached out to Stripe because they have a product manager who is helping people actually doing this type of stuff. So they're really nice. And I think he's a product manager for Stripe billing. So he's, he was just randomly asking people, because I think he's actively working on some new feature, some private beta stuff. I'm like, hey, yeah, I would love some some help. I would like to check out your private beta on this new flow. So that's going to mm-hmm. be my focus for next week, uh, which is to update my pricing. Cool. I'm smiling because we spoke about this before I went on leave. <laughs> yeah, this is like yeah, it's very but embarrassing. I'm glad you've, which is you've why. got the um the, the kick in the pants you need to do it now. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Cool. Anything else or are we good to wrap up? We're good. Show notes can be found on buygrowrepeat.com. I'm at Matt Jerry on Twitter and Johnny is at Johnny Tong. And this episode is, of course, edited by our good friend Rory Yonkakal. And his Instagram is at Radio Rory. We'll see you next week. See ya.